Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, which is also the new name of this podcast, Product Masters Now. The name officially changes in a few weeks, but I want you to know it's coming, and you don't need to do anything different to keep listening, but it will show up in your podcast player, not as the everyday innovator, as it has for six years now, but as Product Masters Now. The logo will look the same, just the name is changing. Now, effective product managers they got to be good communicators, right? And we also need to get team members aligned to meet the objectives of our product project. However, saying that is easier than done. Knowing a few simple tools to create team alignment, getting everyone on the same page makes a big difference in your success and the success of your products. To help us with those tools, Dr. Stefano Master Giacomo, a project management professor, consultant, and author, fascinated by human coordination, has a ton of experience in this area. He's going to join us to tell us how to have more success getting people on the same page. And remember, as we go through this discussion, if you hear anything you want to go back to, we take detailed notes for you. We also prepare a one-page PDF that help you take action now. It's the action guide to help you put into action what you hear. You'll find all those resources at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 325. Now, let's talk with Stefano. Stefano, thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me, Chad, and uh, hello to our listeners. Absolutely. You're connected with Strategizer, and so we've had some guests on in the past with this organization, and you, ha- you do your own work, and you're also a professor in project management, but you, you have this book recently, which is the main reason why we are, are talking, because you've done a lot of, of work with teams and how to make teams improve better. So the book is called High Impact Tools for Teams, and we're going to talk through some of these tools together. But, but let's start about team performance itself. So a lot of us and a lot of organizational leaders are, are kind of disappointed with team performance overall. What's going on there? Why do teams underperform? That's a, that's a big question. And I guess you will find many different answers to that question. But one thing is sure, and, and it's validated through data, that teams do not perform at their best, especially cross-functional teams where we have people coming from very various disciplines with different uh, uh, approaches of work and language and views. I've been working with teams for the past 20 years, uh, mainly delivering digital projects. And to answer your question, this is what I've learned over time and also validated in some research. Teams underperform when members work around each other and not with each other. Uh, Something that happens mainly I've seen over time when two things happen. One, that the team climate is unsafe, and I'm referring here to the work of Amy Edmondson in terms of psychological safety. And two, when the team activities are poorly aligned. And that is a matter of mutual understanding, mutual clarity. So basically when there is enough, not enough trust in the air, and when confusion is also visible among team members. So key issue there, team climate is unsafe. So this is an environment where there's just some trust lacking, maybe there's some relational conflict, maybe we're not quite sure what, who's supposed to be doing what and what our role is and how we fit in. 
and then the team activities themselves aren't aligned working towards what we think should be the common vision, or maybe we have different perspectives on the common vision. Tell us a little bit more about that unsafe climate. Well, an unsafe climate is visible when some visible symptoms are typically uh, lack of recognition, uh, perception of disengagement among team members. When also, yeah, I'd like to go to that level of when we lose the joy of working together. And to quote Amy Edmondson, like the definition of psychological safety is the, uh, this belief that the team is safe enough for interpersonal risk-taking. It's, it's very important that we reach that sufficient level of trust. I'm not saying we, must, and we don't aim at super high levels of trust, but sufficient trust that the team is safe. Because when the team is not, a sa- is not a safe place for you and for me, when fear to speak up is in the air, then that undermines innovation. Because you and me will enter in protection mode. And as work unfolds, and we have to find new solutions to increasingly challenging problems, increasingly challenging problems, yes, you and me will withhold key information that could sparkle new ideas in other people in the team. And we want to wake up the collective genius because of fear. Yeah, when there starts becoming some trust issues in the team, and I liked when you talked about the joy of working together, right? So I've been in teams where I'm excited in the morning to get out of bed and go see these people that I just enjoy working with. And that that is a completely different experience than, and I got to go see Mike again a day, and there's always tension between us. And, you know, I'm not looking forward to that, right? Yes, and you know, what I very much like in this notion of psychological safety, if you wish, trust and psychological safety are cousins. And trust is the perception that uh, I can be vulnerable with you, that you're not going to use information I'm telling you against me or do me harm. Psychological safety is a little different. Psychological safety describes a climate of trust. You know, when you open the door (laughs) and you just enter and the team is there, that feeling we have, the first impression, what's the kind of energy present in the room? And yes, you can tell very, at least I I think, uh, we we all can tell very rapidly if there is uh, a good level of psychological safety in the room. And when there is joy and, and you see people speaking and exchanging, learning together, sharing their mistakes and learning from them. These all describe a climate of psychological safety. And as a consequence of that, you have joy and motivation. Because that was a study I did a long time ago where we followed several teams during my academic research. And we astonishingly found that motivation, we, we, did not, we measured the impact of mutual clarity on task performance. So the fact that I understand what you do and you understand what I do. And we found a significant impact there. But as we were running our questionnaire, we had an open question at the end and um, the teams we were following reported a higher level of motivation. And we were surprised uh, because we did nothing for motivation. We did not uh, address motivation per se. And we came to the conclusion that motivation is a consequence of mutual clarity and mutual trust. 
That's interesting. And motivation is important because that is what gets us out of bed in the morning and want to do work. Exactly. And you're happy to join that team and work with these colleagues and so on. I'm not depicting, uh, you know, an idyllic uh, image here. Uh, I'm just saying uh, that can happen. And it's not that complicated if you have the right tools. We'll get back to talking with Stefano in just a minute. Every organization I've talked with recently wants to invest in their product managers to make them more effective. That is because product managers are huge levers for generating future revenue. The more effective they are, the greater the success for the organization. How do they invest in the product managers? I'll tell you what Motorola did. They used my RPM experience, the Rapid Product Master Experience. We started with a single pilot group, a product team with a high-stakes mission. After seeing their success, the RPM experience was expanded to all of their product managers worldwide. Here's what the director said about using the RPM experience. I had to get my team performing well for a high-stakes, tight-deadlines product project. I wanted a full perspective and not narrow focuses that others provide. The RPM experience delivered, and now we have expanded it to all of our product managers. I recommend it to anyone. I was so happy to be able to do that work with Motorola and see how their product managers really became more effective. The RPM experience equips product managers and product teams for higher performance. Let's talk about what it can do for your organization. Get the details at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. It worked for Motorola and many others, which you'll see at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. And it can work for you too. Check it out and let's talk. Now, more team insights with Stefano. And you have several tools to help us kind of improve how our teams interact with the team members interact with each other, how the team performs overall. And I think there's five tools actually in your book. Um, I don't know if you just want to kind of mention those real quick. There's one in particular I want to dive into called the team alignment map. So we'll get to that in a moment. But maybe you can just give us a quick overview of these tools. Yeah. So the, uh, the idea of high impact tools for team is to provide team members, enhanced teams, with tools that can help improve the quality of our everyday interactions and especially in these two areas one is the clarity on what we have to do together so what i call the team activities they're usually referred to as team processes as well and also in terms of psychological safety what can i do to help my team be a safer place what can i do me as a team member concretely and so if you wish i call these the uh, blue pill tools and red pill tools. So blue pill tools uh, are tools that clarify the work, the processes, you know, the activities, the mission, the goal, and, 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 and who's going to do what. And that's precisely what the team alignment map does. The team alignment map is a tool to help every team member clarify their individual contribution to the team in a discussion structured conversation with other team members. That's what the team alignment map does. It's a co-planning tool. We plan our contribution in, in the team and in projects together. Then we have red pill tools. And the red pill tools are for trust. And the first tool presented in the book is called the team contract. It's, it's a canvas where we sit together and we discuss the rules of the game in the tool. In the, in the team, sorry, in terms of behaviors, decision-making, communication channels, personal preferences, and so on. And we do that in 
early stages, not when the problems occur, before. <laughs> okay? So, uh, this is the team contract, a tool to clarify the rules of the game, the behaviors in the team. Then there is another tool called the respect card. Very simple. You know, sometimes we are, sometimes we are so stuck in our challenges and in our deadlines and in our short deadlines and in the amount of work that we omit very basic human rules in terms of showing respect and recognition. And um, I was not literate in that area. So uh, basically over time, and that tool reflects that, I have assembled a, li a very simple checklist of little attentions and ways to speak to manifest both respect and recognition when it's required. And this sincerely costs nothing. But you can see the difference both in terms of atmosphere and engagement from people when you have these little attentions. Then we have another tool called the uh, Fact Finder. And the Fact Finder uh, is a tool that helps you ask good questions. So it's not a canvas. It's something you hold in your pocket. It's a personal, it's a behavioral tool. But that tool helps team members ask good questions to diminish, to, to lower the level of perception gaps in the room. And asking good questions is not... Uh, an easy thing, because if you want to ask good questions, you first have to recognize what uh, I describe in the book as communication traps. So, um, and we might discuss about that later a little bit. We, uh, we, we spend a lot of time in our heads interpreting things and not talking about facts. The fact finder, again, brings things back in pure reality and improves the level of mutual understanding and trust. F fact Sorry? finder, is that a blue pill, pill tool? This is the most hybrid one. It's half-half. It's both a red pill tool and a blue pill tool. Okay. Then we have uh, the last one. It's called the Nonviolent Request Guide. <laughs> and I don't know you in your experience, but in the teams I worked with, especially the good teams, there were strong opinions. And there are always strong opinions. And when challenges come, emotion can run quite high. And I designed that tool and I use it with my teams when I'm in projects to cool the temperature and help everyone manage conflict constructively. Conflict, cooperation and conflict are the business of everyday life. We shouldn't separate them that much. The thing is when there is a, a conflict in the air, the question is how do we deal with it? And I've, I've used a very powerful engine to create that tool that is nonviolent communication from Marshall Rosenberg that I simplified. And basically, it's a way to express our discontent or our disagreement in a non-judgmental way so that the other person doesn't feel accused and then we can enter into a constructive dialogue where we build on our different views. So altogether, these five tools are what I call the Team Alignment Toolkit in general, and is what is described in High Impact Tools for Teams. Very good. And because it's a strategizer book, these tools are laid out in pretty simple-to-grab concepts, right? There's a lot of pictorial help with these. And they look like they're easy to get our hands around, which is something we need, because we all want to be part of better teams, right? It's that joy of coming and being part of the team and doing work. 
And I would like to spend some time getting better grounded in that team alignment map. That one particularly caught my attention. And it looked like there's four areas in there. Can you take us through using how that thing is constructed and how we use it? And maybe we can discuss an example somewhere. Uh, okay, so this is what a session with the team alignment map looks like. So you and your team sit in front of that poster, whether it's in a digital whiteboard or in a room. And the idea and that, that is very provides, I guess, its most power when we enter into a new collaboration, a new project, or when we join a new team. And we sit together and we discuss basically four things. One, it's the joint objectives. What do we want to achieve together? And what matters here, there is nothing new in, in the idea of discussing objectives. What the poster does is forcing, to some extent, the team to discuss objectives together. Why? Because things must enter into our mutual shared knowledge. Because when we all see the same thing at the same time, then we have what psycholinguists call common ground or common knowledge. And that's what that tools helps create. So column number one, we have to discuss, is it, well, what do we want to achieve together? And describe that in terms of objectives. Now, objectives can be formulated in many different ways. It can, they can be formulated in terms of things to be achieved, in terms of deliverables, outcomes. If you come from the agile world, it can be a user story, even smart objective if you have really a lot of time. But uh, the idea, I like simple things. So do this, do that, complete this, complete that. And this is what goes into the first column. Fine. Now we know why, why we're supposed to collaborate together. And by the way, these objectives, there is a, a, a little placeholder at the top of the poster. I strongly encourage all teams to name all these objectives under an umbrella that it is described in the poster as the mission, the joint mission. And we might have several joint missions. The mission is going to be what holds the team together for that period. Then we move to the second column called joint commitments. Okay, so the first column, joint objectives, contains intentions about the future. The second column is, okay, if I could do that individually, I would do it. Okay, fine, but no, we are here together as a team because you need me and I need you. Okay, so let's be just a little explicit <laughs> in terms of, okay, if I do that for you, will you do that for me? And that is a, a negotiation space that is often lacking, at least in my opinion, uh, when we enter into a new collaboration or a new project. So the, the second column called joint commitments is where we together as a team negotiate and discuss everyone's role and contribution to make the joint objectives happen. Once this is done, we move to the third column. Very simple. Every single human activity in the world uses resources. Electricity, time, cash, machine, equipment, infrastructure, uh, platforms. Okay. <laughs> Does it make sense to spend some little time together discussing what we need to keep our commitments what type of resources we need? Do we have them? How, much, how many are missing? And that, again, the idea of the team alignment map is just to complement existing project management methods and approaches. Ah, it's, it's, it's really a plug-in in that regard. But the, the very idea is also to 
force that conversation space together where I can express what I need to contribute successfully, what I have, what I miss, and others can hear. And again, here as well, negotiate what uh, uh, resources are needed and eventually then come back, change the objectives and the commitments if they're not accessible and so on. Once we have identified the resources we need and the resources we miss, we move to the last column. And it's worthwhile spending some time discussing about what might go wrong because all these are intentions. And that column, the fourth column, is called joint risks. And we spend the time we need to answer that question. What might prevent us from succeeding in achieving, in achieving our objectives and the mission? And again, here again, the idea is to identify obstacles and make them explicit for everyone in the team. And once you have completed the four columns in a sequence together, you've done what we describe in the book as the forward pass. Now everyone has a big picture of the collaboration ahead. So we're talking about the futures, a project, something we want to do. And we can't just leave the room like that. It's good to see the big picture. It's far more better than not having it and everyone presupposing what everyone else is going to do and how we're going to do it. But we can't leave the room like that because of the last two columns. If in the third column, for example, joint resources, there are resources, key resources we miss, or in the fourth column, there are risks we have identified that have not been mitigated, well, you know, risks are a negative event that can cause the entire project to fail. Uh, so you don't want to uh, leave the room like that. And the idea is to perform a so-called backward pass on the canvas, the poster, the team alignment map, where all items of problems have to be transformed in a new objective and a new commitment. So, for example... If you and me engage in, in developing a strategy for a client, and for that we have objective-run interviews, uh, joint commitment, we decide to do this interview together. Uh, the resource, we need time to do that. So we identify how many days we need for that. And then you tell me, Stefano, you know, um, I see a risk here is that clients are not available for interviews. So we put the risk there. And this is the forward pass. Then in the backward pass, we have to, as long as we have risk in the last column, it's a good. So um, we take that risk. A client is not available for interviews. And then I tell, oh, Chad, you know, uh, I, I'll take that. Um, let's create a new objective. Schedule all interviews ahead. Who? Stefano. And share planning. Okay. So when we do the backward pass, we increase the resilience of the team because we transform problems into new activities and commitments. And once these two movements are done, then we can leave and go and contribute individually to this joint project mission and so on, all sharing common ground and having done what it takes to increase our ability to achieve.
So th- this really gets us on one page, so to speak, might be one literal page or one, one literal whiteboard through these areas of understanding what the work needs to, what, what the work is about. What's the objectives, the overall mission for this project, why we're together, our commitments to each other, what we're going to do, what our responsibilities are, get clarity around that. Resources that we have and that we need for this project and uh, if there's others that we need to get and then the risks that might occur. So let's contrast this just for a moment between that and how project management often works inside organizations. And we both have lots of experience with that. So often a project comes into being, right? We need to solve some kind of business problem and a project manager gets brought in and they kind of plan that out and they assign available resources to do the work. And then the available resources get these tasks that, that they're supposed to be working on in some kind of time frame to do it. But they don't necessarily know how their work fits into everything else. There's probably not common understanding about what this project is actually trying to achieve because they just see some piece of it. And they haven't had that discussion with each other to know what, what is this about. And they don't really feel connected to the work or the team very well because of all those issues, right? They don't have the full picture. Fair enough. Have you seen this too? Yes, I've seen that. And, and, and actually, this is one of the things that motivated me in creating these sorts of plugins for methods. So if you, the team alignment map won't replace any of the methods out there, you need them. However, if you, look, if, if, if you take time to go through the project management manuals, you will see that a lot, a lot of methods identify communication as a process, that the project manager has to be a good communicator, and so on and so on. But then, then so what? Okay, well, how, how do I do it concretely? <laughs> how do you improve communication in, in, in projects? Uh, and that's what I've done. I've developed these complementary elements. And to come back to your example how many project charters or, or even if you're in Agile community, backlogs are full of things that are not understood by the majority of the people that are looking at them. So, you know, mutual understanding, that's the thing that uh, I've learned studying linguistic pragmatics for uh, quite some time, uh, is a collaborative process. Mutual understanding is a collaborative process. It's not a one-way process. So the whole idea was... How can I develop or how can I uh, empower my teams and me with a method that boosts this mutual understanding? And that, that's what the team alignment map does. When a team takes the time to align in the beginning, by alignment I mean reduce perception gaps and converge on something we want to do, then because we contributed from the beginning, you don't need to communicate <laughs> because everyone knows. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> then you see a drop in memos and stuff, and you know, and and in documents that are not needed. Yeah, so I guess that that's the usefulness I see of these tools in terms of complementing the existing methods. I think getting everyone in the beginning of a project, the work we're going to do together as a team on that same page, understanding the big picture and how our work contributes to it makes everything go better later. And there, there's been, when projects get off, right? When, if we're asked to come in and help a project that is not going well, the, the first thing to do is to, I would think, is to use a tool like this to help everyone get grounded again on why this project exists and what we're supposed to get done. Absolutely. And again, understanding why this project exists if there is something I don't understand, give me the opportunity to ask a question. 
Yeah, I, I, was, I was just going to say, we have a clear takeaway here, right? So, listeners, oh, okay. you, you could write down, you know, a two-by-two two matrix on the whiteboard or four columns and say joint objectives, joint commitments, joint res- resources, and joint risks, and start with your team today discussing through these items and make sure you have the same understanding. Because as projects continue, I almost always find that teams don't have, that not every team member has the same understanding of what the project is about and how their work contributes to that. So really great tool for us, this team alignment map. There are four other great tools to help teams improve more. And we're going to have to leave that for your, your book. So high impact tools for teams. The subtitles is five tools to align team members, build trust and get results fast. And Stefano, as listeners know, I love an innovation quote. What do you have for us? And tell us a little bit about what that means to you. So my innovation quote is from Niels Bohr, the physicist, um, uh, and is how wonderful that we have met with a paradox. Now we have some hope of making progress. Um, And um, if you want me to comment that a little bit, you know, as far as I look backward, this is not based on data or anything. It's really an aspirational quote for me. Um, most of the, I hope, innovations I provided in this book were born from problems that had a kind of paradox. How comes that we have all these beautiful project management methods, but I mean, the project failure rate remains unchanged for the last, remained unchanged for the last 15 years. If you go and I look at studies. You know, and, and then you start investigating and so on. And I, I very much like that quote also because I, I, I firmly believe that to, to innovate is really to start from the problem and identifying the problem or the challenge we want to do. And that is an opportunity of, of progress. And actually, the bigger the paradox, the stronger the signal that there is an, op- an innovation opportunity there. And that, you know, in, 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 in psychology, a paradox is seen as maybe the wrong way of looking at things, that you have to change perspective, and all of a sudden it makes a different sense, and then you open a new space. Damn. So that was my quote. Yeah, and the paradox that, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the paradox that's on my mind is the one I mentioned earlier, that these conversations with people lately, that they enjoy the work that they get to do, but they're not engaged in the environment, right? They're, 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 they're not looking forward to going to do the work because of the environment. That's a paradox we need to solve, and some of these team tools can help us approach that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, engagement, again, like a mutual understanding, come from active participation. And here is another paradox of our time that we, I'm a fan of technology, I use uh, all available, I guess, platforms, online communication channels uh, out there. Um, but the thing is, uh, we have to be, care- we're, in, my, in my opinion, very careful on how we use which tool. And for that, I mean, I see two big families. There are synchronous communication tools and asynchronous communication tools. And uh, the paradox I see, here is another one, um, is that we tend to over-rely on asynchronous communication channels. So let's quickly drop a note, let's quickly send a message, let's quickly, and then we st- let's quickly send an email, and so on. And okay, this is an amazing possibility. We have to share information this way, but that sharing information that way doesn't guarantee mutual understanding. It guarantees, what can you guarantee if you send an email? 
you can guarantee that you have sent the email. <laughs> okay? So now if the email contained <laughs> a project definition and you expect and you presuppose that the other person gets it, well, it's just an hypothesis you make. Just, okay, I'm trying to bring some humor in here, but I think you get it. Like my, my message is really... We, we have amazing challenges ahead. We have amazing resources and technology available. And in my opinion, in my humble opinion, we, we have this tendency to neglect the very basics. Just go and seek mutual understanding. What does the atmosphere look like here? Uh, and that's my message in this book. I mean, hey, you know what? All these beautiful capabilities we have around us uh, are going to be demultiplied if we also care the basics. Very important. Sometimes picking up the phone, setting up a Zoom meeting, when we can walk into a person's office, much more effective than relying on not knowing what happened to that email or the Slack channel post or something like that. So, Okay, great Absolutely. tools for us. How can people find out about the work that you're doing, Stefano, and also more about your book? Very simply on uh, strategizer.com. And also there is my blog called teamalignment.co. You will find templates and resources to be downloaded, uh, reference to the book, and uh, the posts with examples we provide regularly. And strategizer.com is a good resource for a number of tools, including insights on these. And as I looked at your teamalignment.co website, also found uh, useful team tools that you described there. And of course, the book goes into detail on each one of those, how we can apply them. And we got great value today as listeners. We now have a tool in this uh, team alignment map that we can start using now to help our teams get on the same page with each other. So, Stefano, thank you so much. Thank you, Chad. And, uh... Thank you to uh, our listeners. Thanks again for listening to this podcast, soon to be known as Product Masters Now. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Find all of the details that we talked about with Stefano at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 325. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.